When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are you a fan of young adult novels? Have you ever wondered the stories behind the people who wrote your favorite young adult novels? Then join author Eric J. Brown and Alyssa Lube of Netflix's The Circle every other Tuesday on YAOK. Available on all podcasting apps. Woo! Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of Horror Movie Night. This episode is being brought to you by our Patreon subscriber, Megan Williams. Uh, you can find her at Z Kitty Podcast. She is the host of the Zombie Kitty Podcast, and she has been a longtime listener. I feel like Megan's been around since maybe like the third or fourth episode, honestly. Uh, so thank you very much, Megan, for your Patreon donation. We are always happy to have you, and... Just a reminder, you can also get a shout-out like this if you head over to our Patreon, patreon.com backslash Podcast and donate. But enough of that garbage and that, uh, you know, sh- give us money shtick that we're doing. Let's talk about some harvest. <laughs> on Horror Movie Night, I'm the killer. No, I'm just kidding. Scott's the killer. Actually, (laughs) what's really happening is this is a hangover-induced fever dream that Adam's having. Actually, none of that shit even matters because we watched 1981 Student Bodies, a film so overtly stupid with no coherent story that it is even required. So come and join along on the insanity as we discuss on Horror Movie Night. So, I picked Student Bodies from 1981 (laughs) And I feel like this was probably the pick of all of the picks that I've done in in the recent in recent times that uh, Scott was the most like, are you are you really sure you want to do student bodies? Like he like he messaged me a couple (laughs) times. and was like, are you sure? Like, you don't you don't have to. We could do something other than student bodies. Um, But was I that because I mean, kudos to me if I was. Uh, but I was like, no, I really, I really want to talk about student bodies because I like the. <laughs> I feel like this movie is funnier than it should be, but it still isn't very funny. Like, if that makes any sense. But you know, I have to disagree with you. I think it's a lot funnier than it should be. Like, it shouldn't be as as entertaining as it is to watch this film, especially because the movie is thirty thirty five years old now. Yeah. 
but there's something about this movie. I had always heard about this movie, and finding a copy of it was super difficult for a really, really long time. Um, when it came out on DVD, I just bought it without ever seeing it because I'd heard so much about it. And I was really entertained and watched it with a group of friends, but I, I think it's important to point out that this movie, the year that this movie came out is extremely important to this movie for me because it is so early in the beginning of the 80s slasher craze. Like, this isn't... Like, this came out in 88 or 89. This came out when all that really existed was Halloween and and Friday the 13th. But they already kind of saw... Well, no, there was also... No, no. And Prom Night. Uh, well, no, listen. It, 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 it's making fun of the first wave of slasher flicks. Because that was... It was 78 to 1980 was, was the first wave. So, I mean, there was a lot of stuff. Like, The Prowler came out in 80, 80 or 81 and... The Madman was 1980. I mean, there are a bunch that we just don't remember because they're so mediocre. Um, so, I mean, it it's making fun of the very or the very first wave of slasher flicks because people thought that there was not that was like a short lived thing that that people were going to get sick of it and you weren't going to see any more of those. So, but then we had that big resurgence like around 84, I want to say. And that's the one – those are the ones that we usually think about and talk about because they're probably a lot better than the, than the first wave. With, and I, I'm going to say this much is that I think that this does horror movie parody way better than Scary Movie. Uh, I think that it has more – Oh, it of, absolutely does, yeah. It has that airplane like anarchy behind it, that thought process of just like we're going to just go fucking balls to the wall. We're not going to go for the gross out joke. We're going to go for the absurdist joke. And that's what this movie is. I mean, Adam summed it up in his intro perfectly. Like, this movie is just absurd. Like, there's not a coherent moment in it, but I don't think it ever intended to be coherent. No, no it's not, not at all. And and the jokes are so funny, though, because they – maybe it's because we're so programmed to assume that the gross joke is going to happen that when it doesn't, we're, like, so appreciative, I guess. But <laughs> – which is awkward to even say, but it makes sense though that you know it. Um, <laughs> uh, the, the well, the first funny thing about this movie, I think, is that um, that they play off all of the teenagers wanting to have sex and then getting murdered in really funny ways. Like it's so it's not meta because it's not like fourth wall breaks as much as it's kind of like a wink and a nod. I don't know. I don't know how to really put it together, but that first set of kills where, um, you know, uh, he gets in the shower and then he's like, Julie, you're not responding to my maleness. Yeah, and, that's I mean, the best line in the movie. That's my favorite line in the movie. <laughs> Julie. You're... It's up there because really, I think I didn't take any real notes through this movie. All I did was write down the quotes I thought were funny. <laughs> Here's the thing. You can't take notes for this movie. This movie takes its own fucking notes. It has it on screen for you. It'll yeah. be like, oh, look, those are clues. Oh, this guy's a suspect now. It'll literally flash on screen and tell you that shit. It's like, come on. What do I, 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 it's doing it all for me. I can't do anything. I just love Yeah, the- I guess maybe that's why I was worried about Matt picking this because I was like, it's hard for us to talk about horror parodies. But this movie just is uh, – I feel like it doesn't get the credit that it deserves – I'd never watched it before this because I was like, "Ugh, the scary movies are such shit that I don't want to watch another 
joke horror movie that's making fun of the genre, but this is so much funnier. Like they got it right the first time. They should have never made scary movies. <laughs> I just like even the joke of like having the killer be so loud, like so loud and intrusive, <laughs> like just like, <sighs> like just this deep. <laughs> He's like, why am I wearing these galoshes? <laughs> Uh, it's just so many stupid gags, and there's that one. I, the one line is so absurd in the movie. It's like in the middle of the movie when he calls the principal, and he's like, "What are you doing to your voices?" I'm talking through a chicken. <laughs> it's like that doesn't explain anything. It explains nothing. Oh, it's so dumb. It's so fantastically dumb. And then we have the the most infamous thing in this movie. Uh, Mal Malvert, the the weird actor known as the Stick, who plays the the janitor, and he uh, no one knows who he is. He apparently he died like in the late '80s, but no one knew who he was until recently. People had to do like research to find out anything else about the dude. That's depressing. Yeah, but he He's just a crossword enthusiast. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it's five uh, five letter. And she's like, creep! <laughs> Malvert, thanks. <Man. laughs> you know, I mean, I I did, there were some spots where I was like, man, this is kind of getting a, a little hard to to fight my way through because the jokes were getting, the Malvert jokes were getting a little stale particularly, but I mean, it's just, it's so uh, ahead of its time, which is so weird to say. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's hard to explain. And like I said, I... I actually, even going into it, had been told that it wasn't good. Like, I had seen, like, on horror websites that I trusted as a kid, it only getting, like, one-star reviews and being like, all right, well, I know that I'm buying this and I know that it's not going to be good, but I want to – I'm going to give it a shot anyway. And I was like, I think this is fun. Like, it – I still don't think it's a good movie, but I think that it achieves a lot more than – people are willing to give it credit for but like what are they what are they expecting to get out of a out of a horror parody and it seems just absurd yeah to be like oh it gets one star because it's not coherent or it's not funny like it's it's a horror parody shut up and enjoy it the last but i will say this much the the very ending of the movie before we get to like the wizard of oz stuff um where she's running through the the school and it's just like all of these people jumping out of the the rooms is actually a well done like horror scene like it's still like absurd and ridiculous but the way that the coloring is and the light and like the way that they're popping out from behind the doors is it's actually a pretty effective like scary final sequence of a slasher movie (laughs) Um, and then it you know reveals that it was all this weird dream um which has... which is also fun. That's that's a joke in itself because that's such a, a played out like it was all a dream. Like nobody. That's the worst writing. I mean, I, when I was in like fifth grade or maybe third grade or something, my teacher was like, my English teacher said, "Don't ever use the it was all a dream trope because it's so played out. I will fail you if you do that <laughs> trope at the end." Uh, well, I do love the the way that everyone is like sort of like their character like the the teacher obsessed with uh doing the horse head bookends <laughs> is the french teacher and she's like and in my dream you weren't my french teacher because i will always be your french teacher <laughs> like, 
<laughs> she's like, and Professor Malvert, you were just a, a janitor. I'm sad. <laughs> like, it's so ridiculous. You uh, know, I, I, the horse head bookends thing might be my favorite scene in this movie. Because it's so ridiculous that it just keeps coming yeah. up as a story. And he keeps, saying, he keeps saying horse head uh horse head bookend like it, it it's i mean it just comes out of nowhere it's so good they, they said that so much that it lost all meaning i was like <laughs> yes. i don't even know what yes. these words mean <laughs> horse head bookend like what what is going on uh but yeah i think that it it just has so much fun with all of what it's doing you know having the killer continuously pick the least threatening Weapon like that opening shot of him and his hands just cruising past like a knife and a noose and a gun, and then he just settles on a paperclip. I feel like sums up everything you need to know about this movie. Like that is the entire tone of this movie wrapped up in a nice little uh, package for you. Like that's that's it. Like that's what this sense of humor is. That's the thing about this movie for me is that it's. The jokes are funnier because it seems like they actually took a little bit of time to write them instead of just going for the low-hanging fruit like scream movies or uh, scary movies. Yeah. Well, and it even has this – like there's a joke in this movie that is a lot funnier than I think people realize um, to me because I missed it the first time around was in the very beginning, you know, the, the babysitter gets married er, – married – gets murdered <laughs> – at the house with her boyfriend, and then the family who she's supposed to be like house slash babysitting for shows up, and the the wife is storming through the house and she's freaking out at all this stuff and she keeps saying, for seventy five cents an hour she's gonna do this and like <laughs> yeah it, like she says seventy five cents an hour like multiple times, but then at the end and like, then she says cheaper yeah. yeah at the funeral she's like. Now, as you know, it was sixty-five cents an hour, and I still feel like I need to pay you out for that. <laughs> like it's like yeah, that, that is such an underrated joke. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> like, like my mom was acting like one step away from the sleepaway camp. Mom, she was going crazy. <laughs> oh, it was great. She had a little ribbon tied on her finger and shit. <laughs> like, uh, now that movie. No, you know what else is funny about that? The, the the first part of the scene or first part of the movie, the first scene is when the the dad finds the chicken and he's like chicken broken and then he puts it back together with a rubber band and puts it back in the fridge <laughs> see those jokes are so funny you're right it's an app it's airplane yeah it was bugging the crap out of me what the humor was from but no this is this is definitely someone watched airplane and was like we could do a horror movie version of airplane and i think they succeeded i think that if you enjoy airplane and the fact that airplane has no coherent storyline it's just Whatever we can do to link together these gags and quotes and and whatever, like you will like student bodies. And I feel I, I don't understand the big push of people saying that it's not a well done movie. And that's why I wanted to pick it. Honestly, was that I feel like it's still not a well known movie. And if it is known by anybody, it's usually in a very negative way by people who have never actually watched the movie. Um, yeah. Because it does just have so many absurd jokes, so much absurd story. Everyone's a character. 
Uh, I mean, there's a scene where literally a blind guy and a black guy, or a, a blind is a, a blind black guy and a dude in a wheelchair fighting over who has like the worst disability. Like, it's just so much going on in this movie. <laughs> yeah, if if you like absurdist humor, and and if again, if you were somebody that enjoyed Airplane, this is definitely the movie for you because it's just chock full of fucking insane, crazy jokes. And and you can tell, like like you said, there doesn't really need to be a coherent story because they're just trying to string together all of these different jokes and set pieces that they have to the point where they literally stopped giving a shit about what the plot was. And at the end of this movie, there's like four different twists that all make no fucking sense as to what's going on. Like it's uh, it's like the principal or whatever was supposed to be the killer at first, right? And but there's a scene earlier on where both the principal and that other chick that they're supposed to be like doing it together are in a scene, and, and the, the breather is out killing somebody else, so there's no physical way that they could have hit the fucking killer. <laughs> yeah, or they get the phone call from the killer, and they're all in the room together. Like, it's, there's literally, yeah, there's literally no way that that could make, that that could be the case, which is why when it's written off as a dream, you're like, okay, well, that makes sense, because it's a dream, none of this needs to make any sense, but then it's, it was a a fever dream induced by sexual repression, which is like also absurd. Uh, but then her boyfriend kills her anyway, dressing up like the breather. But then it has a carry ending, like immediately after that. Like it's just like like you said, it's just a twist after a twist after a twist after a twist. And if you think about this coming out, you know, right around the time of of Friday the Thirteenth, like that makes a ton of sense because Friday the 13th does have that like twist twist you know what I mean like it's like okay do you find out the killer's some chick that hasn't been in this movie at all she's just a <laughs> kindly old lady who just shows up in the last 15 minutes of the movie to reveal that the boy who drowned in the lake was her son and then it's like okay we're gonna give you her motive and everything right now and then all of a sudden, the little boy's still alive in the lake. Like it's like this double, this double whammy of like absurd twist, which, you know, as us in the future, having seen all of the Friday the Thirteenth movies now, know how all of that links together into like Jason's origin story. But while you're writing this movie, where that's as far as you know a one-time movie, you're like, what the fuck was that shit? <laughs> like, I think that it makes sense, again, when you think of the time in which this movie was written and released. I don't even know how well this movie did in the box I bet this movie did abysmal in the box office, actually. Uh, I don't know. I'm wondering. But, like, I, I also love that they're, they they wanted the R rating. Uh, so there's this scene where it literally just cuts to a guy who says, fuck you, so they can get their R rating. Um, yes. <laughs> like, oh, man, that part is really funny. All right, it made five point two million in the box office. I can't imagine that they spent that much more than five million on making this movie. Oh um, yeah, it definitely probably made its budget back then. <laughs> it became famous as a late night cult favorite on cable. Is all it says. Uh, it was released on DVD in two thousand seven, which is the copy that I have, and then it was released in an HD Blu-ray in two thousand eleven. So there's you can get this movie. There are places. <laughs> to find this movie and you should track it down and you should watch it because it really is uh, super underrated and a lot of fucking fun. Um, and that's pretty much where I'm going to wrap up on this. I did know picking this movie that it wouldn't be our longest episode. 
but I was okay with it because I more so wanted to try to expose this movie to some of our listeners. So if you're looking for a last-second Christmas gift for that horror fan in your life, you should grab them a copy of Student Bodies because there's probably a good chance they've never seen it and they will be delighted by it. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Are you a fan of young adult novels? Have you ever wondered the stories behind the people who wrote your favorite young adult novels? Then join author Eric J. Brown and Alyssa Lube of Netflix's The Circle every other Tuesday on YAOK. Available on all podcasting apps. Woo! So now is uh, my turn. Uh, last last week we allowed Scott to take the podium and try to convince all of you guys to vote for Beastmaster in our little poll that we have going on our Facebook page. I'm going to uh, step up now and uh, explain to you why the only proper decision is to go ahead and vote for Suburban Commando. Let me tell you a little something about Suburban Commando. So, Matt Kelly, as a child was not a wrestling fan. He enjoyed it moderately, but he was mostly a Hulk Hogan fan. Uh, Case in point, the second that Hulk Hogan stopped wrestling for the WWF, I stopped watching because I didn't care about the wrestling. I cared about the Hulkster. And that allowed me to go see a whole lot of really bad Hulk Hogan movies, ranging from Mr. Nanny, Santa with Muscles, and losing my collective shit when I saw Gremlins 2. But the movie that meant the most to me and I watched repeatedly was a little film called Suburban Commando. What is Suburban Commando, you might be asking? Good question, other me. The story of Suburban Commando is that Hulk Hogan is a bounty hunter. He is a bounty hunter in outer space who is one of the greatest bounty hunters of all time, but... On one of his missions, he kind of sort of fucks up and allows a president to be murdered. And it is suggested to him by his colonel that maybe, just maybe, he needs to take a little break. So they set him up to go hide out on Earth for for a couple months and lay low, relax, and and get his collective shit together so that he can go back up in outer space and be the badass bounty hunter uh, that he is. So he decides to move in with Christopher Lloyd and Shelley Duvall. Uh, While living with Christopher Lloyd and Shelley Duvall, he... You know, interjects a little bit of space age crazy and builds up Christopher Lloyd's confidence and makes Shelley Duvall believe in herself again and helps their kids stand up to bullies and, you know, is just this motivational dude. But he doesn't understand the way of the world. He doesn't understand mimes or video games. Uh, and it builds into lots of comedic little scenes. Unknowns to him, though, there is a rogue group of bounty hunters that are trying to find him and they crash land on Earth, and that's when things get crazy. We've got aliens, we've got gunfights, we've got all types of crazy shit, because Suburban Commando is a great movie, and you should see it, and you should watch it. And even if you don't vote for it, which is a mistake, you should still track down a copy and enjoy it with your friends and family, because it is a delight. So, what is my campaign promise? My campaign promise is this. I will constantly be talking like the hoaxster during that episode, brother. And I'm going to be flexing my 24-inch pythons in my bedroom while discussing that movie the entire time because this movie's great. It's hilarious. Scott and Adam don't even know how much they're going to love this movie. And the alien looks like the predator if, like, they 
did the you know killer clowns in Ernest Scared Stupid like that? They did the Predator in Suburban Commando. It was like, ah, oh, we got the mold. Let's just use it. Uh, that is my campaign promise. This is why you should be voting for that movie and not Beastmaster. Not what women want. They can't satisfy you the way that Suburban Commando could. <laughs> nice. Wow, I might just pick Suburban Commando. Well, that was Student Bodies from 1981 as selected by me. Uh, But it's not always movie picks from ourselves. Sometimes it's movie picks from you. And the way that we find out about those is if you contact us at hmnpodcast at gmail.com. Additionally, if you want to go the next step into your fandom of our podcast, you can always swing by the Patreon page at patreon.com backslash hmnpodcast where you have the ability to donate money to us on a monthly basis and get cool things like packages and uh, newsletters letting you know what's going on in the lives of the three co-hosts and a bunch of other cool stuff. Or, you know, you might be on a budget. We're all on a budget. Who knows what the, uh, you know, we just had another election. Who knows what's going to happen to our lives. But you can donate a dollar a month and we will follow you on Twitter. We'll give you a shout out on the podcast and you'll be helping us get one dollar closer to our goals um, of being able to, take this shtick on the road a little bit and visit you guys in different cities and states, do live events, all of that good jazz. That's all I've got to say. I'm curious, though, is there any other places where you could follow us or listen to us? Yeah, I know for a fact that I run the Twitter over at HMN Podcast, and you can come interact with me. If you're a hot girl, I'll hit on you, and (laughs) occasionally I get drunk and, and say stupid things on there. But you probably already knew that was going to happen. <laughs> uh, and you can go to the less intrusive SoundCloud.com backslash Horror Movie Night, and we have all of our um, all of our episodes plus some bonus content from years past up on there for your listening pleasure, as well as on iTunes where you can rate, review, and subscribe so that you never miss a moment of our inane ramblings. Thank you guys for listening. We'll be back next week. Ladies and gentlemen, in order to achieve an R rating today, A motion picture must contain full frontal nudity, graphic violence, or an explicit reference to the sex act. Since this film has none of those, and since research has proven that R-rated films are by far the most popular with the movie-going public, the producers of this motion picture have asked me to take this opportunity to say, fuck you. Are you a fan of young adult novels? Have you ever wondered the stories behind the people who wrote your favorite young adult novels? Then join author Eric J. Brown and Alyssa Lube of Netflix's The Circle every other Tuesday on YAOK. Available on all podcasting apps. Woo! You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 